Megster, will you help me pass these out? I know your sister is going to be engaged in collecting the offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Les, and thank you all for giving. And uh, it's good to be here in the house of the Lord today. What a wonderful time of, of worship before the Lord and stirring. I know that we all needed that, and we're very grateful to the Lord for that. I was thinking yesterday, and I guess I always have this thought process when we enter into December, um, all the messages that we've uh, been privileged to share together over these many decades at Christmas time. And you know, the, the story of the birth of Christ is, um, is wonderful. There are so many aspects of it. But um, it's really not inclusive of a, of a lot of scriptures. You know, Luke gives a, a very good accounting, but um, for the most part, you know, John didn't even talk about it, <laughs> even though he lived it. And Matthew and Mark mentioned it, but there's just not a lot of verses. And so for people who are... Um, wanting to be like Christ and who are looking for the meat of the living word, um, it's, it's, always, it's always interesting to me how the Lord is, uh, leads us into the, the Christmas season, and I'm always very excited about how the Spirit is going to show us some, some new things on the foundation of the cherished things that we already know. And this morning, I'm very grateful that once again the Spirit did it uh, because he, he started to speak to me about something that I've just never seen before and is right there in, uh, in the, the story of the, of the coming of, of Jesus. And so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 2. You have an outline. Thank you to Megan for distributing those. Um, verse 8 through 14, and primarily it's, uh, it's the story of the angels coming to the shepherd. Let's read that together, beginning at verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I remember when the, uh, I'm old enough to remember when the Peanuts Christmas episode came out. Uh, it's ancient days, many, many moons ago. But you remember in that story when Charlie Brown found the little twig of a Christmas tree, and they were calling him a blockhead, and, and he said, well, what's Christmas all about? And Linus said, I can tell you what Christmas is about, and he walks over to the center of the stage, and he said, lights please, and then he quoted this passage, and CBS allowed that back in those days. I, I dare say they wouldn't allow it today. I'm surprised that Apple TV has not... Um, uh, cut that out, but it's up there. Uh, Linus, he, I think if I remember correctly, he even quoted it out of the same Bible that the Apostle Paul carried, the King James. And that's uh, a joke. But anyway, I always think of Linus and that wonderful telling of the angels appearing to the shepherds. And um, what, a, what a story. What a story. You know, you might, you might wonder, first of all, and this is not the essence of the message today, 
But um, from what we talked about in Sunday school, about doors and shepherds, Jesus being the door and he's the shepherd, and we, we talked about what it means to uh, be doors and gates in the scripture, but shepherds are, are really important in the aspect of walking with Jesus, him being the door, him being the great shepherd, us being shepherds under him, leading the sheep into the pastures that they are supposed to be going into by the directive of the Heavenly Father, who we know his voice. There are those who came before Jesus that were thieves and robbers. We know that uh, we know that story from the scripture of not just the law, uh, which had been become corrupted in the intertestamental period, but um, the uh, the enemy himself who corrupted the places that God had created for the sheep to know God and to fellowship with Him and to be uh, be living in that abundant life. So whenever you talk about shepherds, you cannot, and of course we remember David, the, the great shepherd in the Old Testament, but you cannot forget John 10, where Jesus speaks very clearly about him being the door and him being the shepherd and knowing the Father and laying down his life for the sheep and uh, thieves and robbers had come before him, but now there was life and life more abundantly. And so I think with that in mind, and the identity of Christ and what we share in going into all the world to allow the people to know the life of the Lord and the more abundant life and listening to the voice of the Father and giving themselves so that these places that had been populated by thieves and robbers now be devoted back to what God originally created and to do. You cannot separate that concept from Jesus being the door and being the great shepherd. So all that being said, there's a, an amazing reason why not just an angel, but this multitude of angels show up and talk to shepherds. The prophetic calling of what Christ would be and is is very, very much tied with the idea of him being our shepherd and us being under shepherds to lead the sheep into the places that the Father has ordained for them to partner with him and to see the thieves and the robbers driven out and the fullness of what God intends to be done. Uh, this, is, this is absolutely essential in our understanding of why, out of all the types of people that the angels could have gone to, uh, they went to shepherds, and I, I think that that is a significant understanding that we need to hold very dear to us um, as saints. Now, we see a sign which reminds us of the book of Isaiah and Isaiah's discussion with Ahaz about Emmanuel a virgin will conceive. That was truly a fulfillment, and it's a blessing for us even to this moment. But these angels in particular, uh, I know in Christendom we have been taught that this is somehow a choir, and that they all have their little hymnals, and they're all there singing in, I guess, seven-part harmony one each for the seven spirits. But with all due respect to all the teachings that have gone on, you really don't find anything here about singing. But what you do find is proclamation. And what you find here, first of all, is that an angel comes and he is presenting to these shepherds uh, this discussion that he's bringing good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That in itself is something we've looked at before. The good tidings is the ongoing effusion of 
wonderful things that we learn about God, great joy. Joy is always fulfilling what the Father's will is, the joy of the Lord. That is our strength. And to all people, this is for all the world, not just for the Jewish nation, but for all the world. And that is proclaimed. And then the reference to what basically was Isaiah's prophecy, that is said. And then suddenly, verse 13, there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Now, heavenly hosts there, as you remember, is a stratum. It is a, it is a gathering, a very very really, uh, what's the best word to say, an intricate um, organizational structure. Some would say that it is uh, um, military, but it doesn't have to be military. It can be um, any kind of a structure that is put together to do something of great dynamism. And um, it says that there's a multitude in this. This is the Greek word plethos, from which we gain our word plethora. So when we say plethora, when there's a plethora of things, we don't mean, man, there just was a lot of it. We choose plethora, if you know what that word means, to indicate that there were many different kinds and intrinsically of great quality. And so these angels that show up, this heavenly host, a multitude of them, was a, a great variety representing the, uh, the structure of the angelic kingdom in heaven. I, I'm sure that there were warriors there. I'm sure that there were those that were in the Gabriel Corps that were there. He, that's probably the one that was making the initial announcement. I'm sure that there were those that were indicating fire. I'm sure that there were those that were indicating praise. I'm sure that there were those that were indicating instruction and uh, illumination and wisdom. I'm sure that all seven spirits of the Lord were represented by these angelic group. This plethora of, of angels was uh, truly a well-organized uh, depiction of the government of heaven. And I don't think we really recognize how glorious that was. Now, why was this important? Well, there are many reasons. One of which is that the very fact that these angels, including Gabriel, meaning mighty man, were embracing this concept and this essence of what mankind is supposed to be in the image of God, that Satan rebelled against that, it's very important that all of the categories of the angelic were there to witness this and to enunciate their wholehearted understanding and their wholehearted agreement and acceptance of this plan of God. And to me, now I don't know, I wasn't, Tammy wasn't there to take role, but I know that um, with this word, there had to be a representation of each of the angelic core. And it, it had to be a, a wholehearted, unanimous type of a declarative. And I think that is wonderful. Can you imagine? Now, these shepherds probably were not well-educated, but this was, this was something that would have been a spectacle. You want to talk about a theatron, an angelic theatron. This plethora of angels... Um, was was quite a thing. And they were there in their structure. They were well arranged. And but but the the, the next thing that that amazes me is that they were praising God. Now this term praising is really the focal point that the Spirit prodded me with. And I'm not prodded is not a good word. Grabbed a hold of me to see. Because I don't really ever remember us f focusing on this word. Maybe one of you did, and I just wasn't paying attention. But I know, I know, 
and it's if you hit your Bible program and had it say it, it would say it really funny. It's a, it's a hard word to pronounce because there are a lot of there are a lot of inflectives within it. But this word, as they were praising, this word means this: to tell or speak of something positively in a detailed manner, to recommend persuasively in an uplifting way. And that, that would be kind of what the momentum, what you would want to see. Come see a man who told me all the things that I've done in my life. It, the, the momentum of saying, oh, this, this calling, I mean, you need to go and hear these saints teach because it'll encourage you. And people say, okay, let, let's go together as opposed to what the enemy tries to do and has tried to do. Oh, you can't trust those people. Throw in a few lies. Throw in a few accusations. Just stay away from them. That's an enemy assignment. But here these angels are all in agreement. They're all stating things from their perspective of how the coming of Christ is fulfilling the will of the Father, fulfilling prophecy, fulfilling what needed to be. It kind of reminds me of what Jesus said to the men on the road to Emmaus where he went from Moses to law and the prophets and persuaded them of what Christ would be and how the sacrifice at Calvary perfected all of those requirements. And, um, you know, momentum and agreement is something that the angelic truly requires, which is why the fast of feasting is so important in the book of Zechariah and in Esther, because you, you need to do away with negativity, and you need to do away with bitterness, and you need to do away with any kind of thing that would fracture a cord when you think you are even going to entertain the prospect of not only partnering with the angelic, but doing a great work on behalf of the Father alongside them. So this momentum is, is an important thing, but that is also just the tip of the iceberg for me, because as I studied about this, the, 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 some of the commentary, some of the linguistic studies that I utilize will always try to discover how the flow pattern came into the Greek language, how this word emanated, where it came from. And three of them said it is most likely that this word, Aeneo, comes from our old friend, Aeneo. The eyes, the elders, those that would, uh, would recognize a thing and be committed to it and know that this is how things should go and this is how it functions and this is how we represent the kingdom. And I, I, I boy, I was all over that because I can see that flow pattern. So you have these angels, this category after category after category of the, of the leading angelic group, all in their strata of structure. And they're all there, and I don't know whether they took turns. I don't know whether they, um, whether they all said it together in a harmonious exchange. You know, sometimes angels do that. You know, and, and your brain was created by God to recognize these, um, these multiplicity of communication from the throne, um, which is why when we speak in unknown tongues or diverse tongues, uh, even the Ivy League schools that have done studies of it, why they would, I, they probably don't do it anymore because it would probably all be deemed to be some kind of supremacy of sorts. But, you know, I, it's, it's how when you speak in those languages, parts of your brain fire up that don't normally fire up. But I would think that sometimes when we're in an intercession, we're around a group of angels, there are, there are communications that are coming in from various angles all at once, and somehow you understand them. I don't know how that is, but God created us for that. So it could be that um, all of these angels were communicating at the same time, but bringing harmony in the message of affirmation and declaration and true exaltation of the birth of Christ. I think that's great. So you have these 
most likely highest ranking angels from the different strata of how God created the angelic forces. And they are all leaders, and they're all speaking in agreement. They're all saying the same thing, but from the perspective of how God created them. And we've also said in the past, I remember Isai made a drawing of this, that all of them came together and their message, the message of Gabriel of the seven directives, which is whenever he speaks, it's always in that way, form that white light. But it doesn't say how many, it says there was a host, and I imagine that there were, I don't know how many there would be. But um, they're all saying this positive thing from their creative perspective, and it's, it's from their point of leadership. I just think that's amazing. I just, they're praising God. That, and that term for praise is utilized in a number of ways throughout the New Testament. But, and we'll look at those derivatives here in just a minute. But then they say, glory to God in the highest. Remember we taught about El Elyon. We talked about the, the, the Most High God. And we talked about how those, those are uh, key points of the creation of God. And, and so the objective here is not just for men and women, which has already been stated, but for the points of creation that are essential to be taken for this world and these kingdoms of this earth to become the kingdoms of our God once again, which Revelation speaks about. But to, in the highest, you know, remember Melchizedek came to Abram, blessed be Abraham, friend of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, Cana, the, the jealousy, you are embracing the jealous intent of God. That's, that's being indicated here. So it's an invitation to the high places on the earth. And on earth, peace, that what God has sent forth from his throne, that heavenly shalom, will go forth, the living word will go forth and will return victoriously. And goodwill toward men, that all of mankind will have the opportunity of knowing the kalos, will of God, and partner with it. So these angels are laying it all out there for you and for me to fulfill what God originally created us to fulfill, that the enemy rebelled against. Point by point, this is an angelic directive that is euphoria in the, in the goodness of God. And I, I love this. But as they're praising, um, I, I, I'm, I've been, since I saw this, or since the Spirit illuminated it, I've been asking God, uh, as we go forth to the high places and the mountains and the hills and the groves, and we are recruiting those that have been made hungry for what God has given us, that these angelic ones would come and release this type of anointing of Aineo so that people would understand the complexities of the meat of the Lord and that they would be enthused about it, not nonplussed, not, uh, yeah, come see, come saw, not lackadaisical, not, oh, it's too hard, it's too hard. None of that stuff. Those days are over. People need to embrace what the angels of the Lord are proclaiming. We need to be reflecting the glory and honor of the crown that's given to us, and we need to see the kingdom of God come and his will be done. And we need this kind of anointing from this type of angelic group to, to release that momentum and that embracing. And perhaps that's what we saw this last trip to Brazil, and which I've said over and over again. You know, you do and then you teach. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the receptivity. I've never seen the hunger. I've never seen all of these different groups of people all coming along and bowing before the Lord. It is incredible. And believe you me, as the old preacher would say, we've been to dozens and dozens of nations. And if we had the opportunity of seeing this before now, we would have seen it. Now, we've seen many people who've come alongside, but not, not to the extent that we're seeing in this field of activity. And perhaps this type of angelic praise is being released. We sure need it, don't we? And I've often wondered, you know, Jesus said, unless, 
A seed falls in the ground and dies. It has no life. And point by point, the kinds of things that we're seeing now, I reflect back to how that died in this house. It's not a reflection of us failing. It's not a, a reflection of us being such bad so-and-sos that the Lakewood friends and everybody else complain about. But it's dying. Dying to self. For, on behalf of the Lord. Dying to the things that would make it look like we're successful in this Bible belt of Dallas. Pneumatikos capital of North America. But but perhaps now, as God says, you've been faithful, regardless of what it's looked like, regardless of what it's felt like, regardless of what you've had to surrender, and I've surrendered on behalf of these things. Now it's time for the harvest, and fruit is coming. But this is an angelic directive, and it's a hidden, it's a hidden aspect that perhaps... God is reserved for this hour. Let's look at how this word is used in the derivatives through the New Testament. I think you're going to be really amazed because guess what? It describes what you have been doing for 20 years. You know, the people around you who still accuse you of not knowing what you're doing, they won't get it, but you'll see it. Let's look at the first one. Aniasis. Hebrews 13, verses 12 through 16. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. And this, this that's a really interesting word, that, that, that verse right there, that would indicate go into all the world and the Gentiles. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate these, don't forget, for with such sacrifice God is well pleased. We bring the sacrifice of praise that's a great song, but here in the New Testament, it's singing about us proclaiming outside the gate, outside of our continuing city, going into all the world and proclaiming this telling of something possibly in a detailed manner, recommending persuasively in an uplifting way the, the synopsis, as it were, with depth of what our message is. That's amazing. That's amazing. What about Matthew 21, 16? Ainos. Make sure you pronounce that right. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? I said it before you thought it. <laughs> Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, yea. Have you never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise? Babes and sucklings being taught this once, being taught it again, being taught it in, in an elevated form, in a line upon line, precept upon precept, perfecting this word. Not that we will ever be perfect in it, because as it is with God's Word, it's always going to be sharing something new. It's alive. But the perfecting of this in the mouth of babes and sucklings is what you and I have enjoyed. I mean, no matter how much I learn, when I see something that the Spirit brings I recognize what a dummy I really am. Some of you knew that from the beginning. But you have to become childlike. You have to be as a babe. You have to enter into the kingdom that way. 
And if, if you throw, the danger is when you think you know everything and you can't be told anything, and if somebody's got a revelation, uh, whether it's a word or not, you just say, forget that, I'm, I'm not going with it because uh, that's not what old Uncle Bob used to tell me. I've been in this a long time and I've seen, every, I've done everywhere, done everything. You know, you've got to become before the great teacher as a child. And the babes and sucklings aspect where we are that and we are elders is something that is akin to being hungry and full. And so it's perfecting praise. I love that. That unique type of angelic praise. The first issuance of it is angelic, which is why Evangelia, our gospel, is really the message that the angels would bring. Did you realize that? So we are, we are really partnering with the angelic in increasing ways in these days, but this is an angelic kind of praise. Our message is a message from the throne where we receive in our spirit in the same ways and greater, because we're made lower than the angels, than the angelic us. Mouth of babes and sucklings. This, this wonderful word is perfected. I like this one too. I like them all. Tell me if this word sounds familiar. Enigma. What word in our language might possibly come from that word? Oh, it's not that word. Oh, it's not that word. Well, you tell me how enigma and enigma are not the same word. You talk about that over lunch at, uh, at Babes. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass. Bing! There's our word. Enigma, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am also known. We're seeing through the glass this wonderful mystery of God. How point by point this story unfolds and it never contradicts itself. That's the darkly. Now, I know we can talk about, well, in the ancient days, you hear Dr. Baker teaching, in the ancient days, the Greeks had a mirror and, uh, well, yeah, that goes well. That's true. But you tell me how this word fits into that dynamic. It just doesn't. It has to, this word has to be talking about the process of how God is continually revealing this old, old story that continues to evolve under the directive of the Spirit of God. This is the glass darkly. This is the enigma of the mystery. And the angels began this as they proclaimed it to shepherds of all people. They didn't appear to the scribes and the doctors of the law who had the had the brains, little gray cells, to be able to understand this. They went to shepherds who probably hadn't been to school a day in their life. This is just such an amazing poetic script. But we see it. Hallelujah. Epienos. Romans 2.29. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. The circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. God is teaching this. God is imparting this. God is circumcising our spirit. God is making us giving the old college try for some of us it's up to us to do it into those leaders that he can rely upon to represent the kingdom that's that's wonderful don't you think first corinthians 4 5 top of page 2 therefore judge nothing before the time and sell no wine before the time either until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness 
and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. How did we interpret this in the past? Do you think God's saying, oh man, I praise you. What a wonderful person you are. That's ridiculous. God's praise he will not share with another. So what does this mean? If, if we continue to walk according to the light in the midst of darkness, God will continue to develop us within, and then every one of us will partake of what God has reserved in this wonderful word, this concept. See, having an understanding like this clarifies a lot of scriptures that you know they're true, but they've been a little bit of a head-scratcher. That's always, I'll just say it, my faulty interpretation of that's always kind of bugged me. Because I thought, God's not going to be praising. Well, he might be praising Stacy Maggs, but he's sure not going to be praising me. It doesn't make sense. But now it does, doesn't it? Ephesians 1, here's three instances. You want a, a, a double issuance? Here's three of them. And we're going to read the whole passage. Ephesians 3, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I love that. And every one of the instances of this word is going to be praise to the glory. Why would that be? Because God's glory is him doing something that he has wanted to do, and he's revealing it now. And he's asking you, will you partner with me in it according to my ways? And will you work with me to depict something that I'm doing afresh, anew, new today? The praise of his glory is you partnering with God, learning, having this perfected, going step by step, being, uh, being that one who's partnering with God in the glory. So praise is our word. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be, what, to the praise, there's our word, of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wow, that's a mouthful. We could break down all of these verses, but I don't think we really need to since you've been living them. Our inheritance, being predestinated, being before the Father, redeemed to the Father through Christ, learning because somebody listened to God and did their job so that we could hear, and then we have that same responsibility. To the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. That's our mandate. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And this is the one in the B attitudes that I think people have never really understood what they were saying. Because this, 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 as sweet as it is, has always been just kind of like, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. You know, let's all think good things now. Um, but you see, when God, his spirit, infuses this word, it kind of messes up the whole paradigm of uh, general churchiness. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
I think that virtue and praise, I'm not trying to add to the scripture, but if you put those together, that would be a good seven in the B attitudes. So if you're seeking after the virtue of God and you're learning of his wonders as you do that, that's really the seven. So you line them up with the seven spirits. You can do that later. The, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, look at, think of that just really quick. For what we said this word means, praise, it would involve having learned, having received, having heard and seen in somebody, and then you do them so that the God of peace can be the functionality of your life. I think that's it's just wonderful. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, there's our word, and honor and glory, which is what our crown is made of. We, saw, we talked about that in the last couple of weeks, at the, peer, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So you might also want to say that if the crowns which uh, Jesus received and that we uh, submit to God when the nations that are saved are presented, that how you walk according to that crown of glory and honor, you're participating in what God has ordained in his glory, you're making yourself be conformed to that and giving your time and your energies being imprinted with that identity, that's honor. But you also are learning something along the way. You're remembering, you're, you're adding to your understanding bit by bit, piece by piece of the, of the glories of God. That's your operations manual to the praise of the and glory and honor. That's just tremendous. Now, I threw this last one in there, even though it's a one-off, uh, because this permeated who the Apostle Paul was. And remember when he was in that ship and the storm was, he, he first of all heard that this, voice is, this voyage is going to be with much challenge and then the storm's hitting and all these people are thinking they're going to die. And Paul is saying, look, an angel stood and told me that nobody's going to stick with the boat. Nobody's going to perish. Um, Acts 27, 9. Now, when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. This is peraneo, which is our word, but gathering together the things that not only Paul had received from God what he knew his mission was, what he knew the angel had said to him, what Jesus had declared to him, what his identity was. This was a confidence that, look, even in this point of challenge when I'm a prisoner and this boat's being battered to pieces and all of you are afraid and have lost your minds, I'm going to admonish you based upon what I know. And it happened the way Paul said it would, didn't it? Kind of reminds me when Jesus was in the, in the hold of the boat, and he was asleep, and the storm was beating. And I'm not faulting those disciples, but they were trained fishermen, many of them. And so they weren't strangers to the briny deep. And uh, they all thought they were going to die, and they came to Jesus, and remember what he said. Do we have that confidence in who we are in God and what our mission is? That no matter what's going on, you are so secure in that identity and in what God has said and what you know your mission is, that you can represent that. He didn't have time to preach and teach to them the whole Roman road, but... Um, the point is, though, that he was who he was. He was a living testament. And that confidence, I'm sure, after everybody was safe and made it to shore and the ensuing things that would happen next, 
hold great store to who this guy was, and maybe we should pay attention to the rest of the story that he's telling. So we come back then to the Christmas story. I hate using that word story because it's not really a story. It's a, it's a, it's a telling. Because stories can be true or false. In fact, when I was a kid, if somebody was telling stories, that meant they lied. Oh, he's just telling stories. I think maybe that word has passed from our, that phrase has passed from our vernacular. But this is a fact. This is history. And the angels, the timeless ones, they're all standing there, appointed by God to appear to these angels, to, to appear to these shepherds. And one by one, the ranks of these elders in heaven are all, I'm, I'm sure, because if they all took time to tell it, the shepherds would still be standing out there on the hillside. They'd be a million years old by now, but, you know, it wouldn't work. So they had to have been all saying it in an angelic accord. It wasn't a choir, but it was a, a symphoneo of declaration. And it was uplifting. It was inspiring. It was an accord. It was an agreement. But that's how they were praising God. And that's, that's the story to these shepherds. And it's our story today because, again, you've lived each of these derivatives, maybe not being on a boat when the boat's being ripped apart. We don't want that. But you've been in other circumstances. I know I have. And we trust the Lord. And he brings us through. You've lived this, and this is a, I'm grateful for this because this is, this is a gift to us at this time that the Father is reserved, and I, I pray that we will recognize the power of this and that, that we will align ourselves to follow the Lord in these crucial days that truly Glory to God in the highest, throughout the earth, peace and goodwill toward men. I'll say one more thing about this, and it's just 20 after 12. This is early for me. You know, we, we, we hear this Christmas story, and we think uh, peace on earth. Some of the world would say, well, a lot of good that did Christ in the last 2,000 years. There's, where is peace? You say there's peace, and then comes destruction. So see, that Christian message is just a bunch of baloney. It, 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 he brought peace. Where is it? In fact, the, the Holy Land right now is anything but peaceful. So how can you Christians, you dummies, believe this stuff? Well, is that was Jesus really saying, because I'm coming, everybody's going to go around with a big smile on their face and and you ain't going to study war no more and swords beat into plowshares and you know is, is that what these angels were saying now eventually that will be that way but that's not what this was it was giving the opportunity for you and me to engage in the directives of the father and to go out and come in in peace bringing bringing the victory of the lord in over, over, and over, and over again. It's for the privilege of that demonstration of peace, and it's gaining momentum now as, as all things are coming to a head. This is a warfare te terminology. This is a business terminology. It's not just a papal, some kind of a papal edict that everybody's just, okay, you kids play nice and be good. You know, you're peacemakers. So you just go in the middle of people and make sure you don't get beat up and stop them from fussing and fighting. That's not what a peacemaker is. And it's not a six-shooter from the Old West. It's somebody that goes forth representing the Father in glory and honor and who, who sees what God sends them to do accomplished. Let him orchestrate it all. That's not your business. 
But peace on earth is what you and I are living. And the goodwill, the will of the Father, the goodness of the purpose of God to all men is what we preach, encouraging them to come along and be what God has called them to be. This is, this is just very encouraging. And we're going to see more and more of it as the days come. Father, thank you for the continuing mystery and wonder of the telling of the coming of your Son to earth. We pray that during this month of the prophet, as all the activities and festivities that are going to be going on in this month, that we will continue to embrace what you've told us, the positive, eternal positives of what you're teaching us, the detailed line upon line of the perfecting of your praise. Help, help us to embrace that and help us to partner with you in your throne as you continue to administer that calling along with the angels that are sent to minister to the heirs that you would be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for coming in this way. And thank you for your word that continues to speak in your perfect timing these wonderful, wonderful words of life to each of us. I speak your blessing over every person in this house. I ask you, Father, that you would encourage them, you would strengthen them. Even those who are part of this body that are in need today who are not here, I ask you, Father, and we agree that you will pour out your spirit upon them and change their scenario into one of victory. We thank you for this, Father. And as we go about this day and this week, we walk with you, thanking you for the privilege of being able to do that for your kingdom. We love you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God in the highest. Thank you so much. We will see you soon. And have a wonderful week.